I feel great joy and gratitude. Yes, we are back, babies. We are back with Star Trek Generations, and we have 20-plus weeks of content coming your way because I, with some very special guests, will be zhuzhing the entire first season of Star Trek Generations. Sorry, what am I saying? I, I, this is Star Trek Generations. I will be judging the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Wow, I'm all, back after three months and I'm already fucking it up. Well, here we go. So, you know who else fucked it up? Gene Roddenberry and DC Fontana when they wrote this pilot episode. And we are going to get into it. A couple things off the top. If you are hearing me, you are hopefully uh, subscribed to the podcast wherever you get podcasts, uh, Star Trek Jojurations. If you are seeing me, then you are subscribed to the Patreon. And thank you very much. The Patreon name has changed. It's patreon.com slash the observation lounge. And that's because I'm launching a brand new YouTube content hub because I'm tired of seeing neckbeards on YouTube talking about wokeness when they should be talking about Star Trek. So uh, although I technically do have a beard on my neck, I will not be complaining about how there were too many women on the bridge or all the black characters were better when they were written by white people. Uh, no, that will not be that channel. So uh, you can see that channel launch in June. Go over to YouTube or the link in the bio, or sorry, in the description of this episode for the Observation Lounge. And of course, follow me on all the socials at the OBS Lounge ST. OBS for Observation, OBS Lounge ST for Star Trek. All right, let's get cooking. So today, as I pull up the intro, here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Today, I am joined by a lifelong Star Trek fan straight from Los Angeles, California. He works for the Human Rights Campaign as the Director of Campaign Operations. Uh, incredible. In his free time, you can find him at an improv class, gaming, or, like all of us, re-watching a Star Trek episode he's seen a dozen times already. He is also on all the socials at only stands 85 ladies and gentlemen please welcome stanley williams hi hoy, hoy. <laughs> thanks for having me thanks for joining so we met because of star trek picard season three yes uh trek twitter does so many things uh good and bad but on the good side uh meeting wonderful trek fans uh like you and i and you hosted these little salons uh, the week uh, of an episode where a bunch of fans would jump on and just, you would moderate a conversation about that week's episode of Picard. Everyone was super respectful. Everyone was super nice and friendly and had good points. And it just really reminded me of like being at a convention, meeting fans, as opposed to yeah. talking to people on Twitter. Yeah, the the salons have been great. I I started doing it with my buddy Trevor when uh, he and I met on Twitter, going to the spaces hosted by another Trek Twitter friend, Sohail, uh, doing the same thing. Let's talk about the episode that just happened. This was like a year or two ago with either the fourth season of Discovery or the third second season of Lower Decks, uh, maybe the first couple of episodes of Prodigy. It's, it's all like one in my brain. We... Uh, would just come together and talk about the episode. And like you said, it was it was always a lovely, respectful conversation. Um, 
not everybody loves every iteration of Trek, but everybody in those spaces and the salons that Trevor and I host are very respectful, uh, even when they're being critical. And so it's it's been lovely to come together in, in a respectful way uh, versus what, yes, as you alluded to, you can sometimes see on Trek Twitter of uh, people taking their disagreements way too far and down many rabbit holes that we, we don't have time to get into today. <laughs> right, right. Now, I have, of course, argued my fair share with people before I've thought better of myself and said, maybe maybe, maybe we don't need to do this. Maybe we Same. don't need to spend the afternoon fighting with Robert Meyer Burnett. Maybe that's not something Ooh. I need to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I blocked him a long time ago because I, I would do it. I would I would like, let's teach this man a lesson. And like, <laughs> yep. that's that's his whole shtick is trying to teach other people why they're wrong about his opinions. And I, I don't want to become that. Right. And he plays the Twitter game. He knows the more controversial thing he says, the more com the more comments you're going to get. And he wants, because that was the thing we were arguing about something that I thought was pretty, you know, just, it was, it was pretty, because I started, I didn't know about him and I started watching his YouTube stuff and I was like, oh, I kind of agree with some of his opinions on stuff. And then he gets into politics stuff and I don't care about that. But I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then he said something really terrible about gay people. And I was like, he can't have meant that. He can't have meant that gay people shouldn't be in Star Trek and they should be on their own Paramount Sparkle Network where we can see ourselves and feel special over there. And I was like, I hope he's joking. And I talked to him on Twitter about it and he just drew out the argument to the point where I'm like, oh, he wants this controversy so that his tweets get pushed. I need to block this man. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and that, that's exactly why he does it because he knows that people will go to his YouTube. and and, and Right. A lot, a lot of his rants will end with, well, and if you don't understand what I'm saying here, just go to my YouTube. Like it's, it's, it's excellent grifting. He's really good excellent at it. grifting. Star Trek Steve Bannon is what I like to call him. Um, <laughs> yes, he he's grifting based on the fact that he's mad that Hollywood doesn't want him. Um, same as Steve Bannon. So uh, anyway, that's enough about him. But it is the reason that the Observation Lounge exists because it was him and Nerd Roddick and. What's the other one? Salty Nerd. And it was just, and oh God, Dave Cullen. And it was just like all of these horrible channels with, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And like, you know what? Rather than argue with these people on Twitter, why don't I put the content out that I want to see? And there is really great content. I love Jesse Gender. Drag yes. culture is a, Jesse Gender is my favorite. I also really like Red Letter Media. I don't consider them part of that group. They're I'm very like- they're very like down to earth. They even do videos where they pretend to work in a VCR repair store. Like it's very like <laughs> blue collar down to earth. And they, they are critical in the way that some of those other podcasts are, but they never get into like, you know, misogyny or racism or, or talking about like, it's, it's really, they're, they're like writers and critics and they're talking about yeah. writing things. I really like yes. them. They're very funny. But yeah, yeah so I, I'm hoping to add my voice to that and Jesse Gender, who is my favorite. Um, yeah, Jesse's great. So it's about time we get to this episode. Um, I feel like we've padded the intro of this podcast the way that they padded the runtime. Yeah. I was going to say, should we take an hour to get to the point? Uh, how about we, how about you, how about we, we, I will sit here and you watch a replay of the beginning of this podcast to catch up with what's going on on the podcast. Yeah, I have, I wrote that down as well. Um, Picard welcome is so weird, is my note. <laughs> 
well, yeah, that's that's that yeah, that is a major point I'm going to get to in our our next segment. But um, um, I I am going to go so far as to say this is the worst Star Trek pilot of them all. Yeah, I, I'm 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 in agreement. Um, the both TOS pilots are really rough as well, in my opinion. But this one is much more stilted, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like and even, and even yeah. the cage, like you could see what they were trying to do. And there are levels of stiltedness in the TOS pilots that are like, well, it's the '60s, and it was sort of a slower stilted. You know, that there's a stiltedness that just carried through the whole series because that was the aesthetic. Whereas TNG was like, because I think it, you know, it was written by people who wrote for the '60s show, so there was still a lot of '60s in those first two seasons um so a quick recap let me pull up our friends at memory alpha who i always rely on for all of my star trek needs all right so the synopsis for this episode is as follows and we're not going to go fully through it because if you're listening to this you have to have watched this thing Um, Captain Jean-Luc Picard leads the crew of the USS Enterprise-D on its maiden voyage to examine a new planetary station for trade with the Federation. On the way, they encounter a second episode that was mushed into this one, an encounter with Q, an omnipotent extra-dimensional being who challenges humanity as barbaric inferior species. Picard and his new crew must hold off Q's challenge and solve the puzzle of Farpoint Station on Deneb 4, a base that is far more than it seems to be. So, what are your overall thoughts of the pilot? I take it you rewatched it recently? Uh, yesterday. Ooh, ouch. Uh, yeah, it, it feels both fresh and still like, oh, that was decades ago that like of course it was decades ago but i mean like my my watching decades ago because the the style is so different that it's it's very much like oh that was the 80s i i haven't seen that in decades even watching it just yesterday right uh any any initial impressions any uh things you didn't remember and you saw and you're like oh yeah i forgot about that uh just anything that that jumps out at you uh so um not really the focus of today, but like it rewatching it recently just reminded me of how much they tried to give us and then completely abandoned. Uh, like we come away from this pilot knowing that Picard and Beverly have a past, although we'll get into it the way they did it, I thought was a little weird. Um, we got a little bit of Picard or uh, Riker and Troy uh, have like they clearly have a history and then they ended up dropping it completely. Um, luckily the actors didn't but um so like there's a lot of interesting stuff here that like i it the pilot did what a pilot is supposed to do i was introducing these characters and i was left wanting more um it was fun but there were a lot of there's a lot of weird stiltedness here and like but you know thank goodness for dc fontana because it's my fontana it's my understanding that um she was the the one who introduced the idea of Q. She was like, you, you need an actual antagonist here. Or was it the other way around? Other way around. She wrote the far point piece of it. And then Paramount said, we want a two hour thing. And they were like, no. And they were like, do it. And so then Gene Roddenberry took the script from her and shoved in the Q stuff. It's so interesting. Because it's... Because far usually... point as an hour is a tight episode, not a pilot, yes. but it's a tight episode. They go, there's a mystery, they figure it out, stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a good, it would have been a great second episode. Yeah. As opposed to the one where they all have the, the orgy. Yes. We can't wait to talk about that one. Yeah. Stanley Uh, will be joining us next week for Naked Now and then a little bit later for The Last Outpost, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of the above. I, uh, um, yeah, I've, I've had this idea of floating around for a, di- a very different kind of podcast, but also focused on the first season. And like, it, as stilted as the first season is, there's so much juicy stuff there to talk about. So it's 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 fun. And like the pilot sets us up for um, for wanting more, at least. And so for me, uh, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is the fact that Troy just came from the Hey Mickey music video shoot. Uh, wild, wild outfit. Uh, don't know if the bun's better, but wild. I wish um, they kept the cheerleading outfit. Yeah, it was. I mean, I did like the dudes in it. The fact yes. that you had random dudes in the background in scants, and and we should you know explain that like Gene Roddenberry's vision was you know sort of non-binary, you know, fluid sexuality, um, overt sexuality. Um, he there's a I just watched a podcast with Stephen Ira Bear, who was one of his first jobs was to write Captain's Holiday. And Gene Roddenberry was like, yes, Pleasure Planet. When he goes, I want guys making out with guys and girls making out with girls and orgies in the background and all sorts of stuff. And it was actually Stephen Ira Bear who was like, I'm not writing that. I'll just get him <laughs> late. But um, uh, yeah, so so. A lot of the horniness, which Jesse Gender has a great video on, um, uh, a lot of the horniness in early next gen, that's all Gene. And we thank him for it. We thank him for it. Um, I think if next gen came out today, Riker would absolutely be pan, like stated. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And there would be much more like what they're doing with Spock and Chapel as the Picard and Crusher. Yes, 100%. It's right. naked now every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Data is the ship's uh, a vibrator. Um, mm-hmm. So the other things that stuck out to me on a, on a serious note is are how many things that may not have been meant to have payoffs later that the show in later seasons and of course especially the series finale found ways the pilot is almost better because of what follows yes because if you watch it all especially picard season three in the space babies moment that brought me to tears because of the far point of it all and beverly walking into the bridge for the first time with Riker in Picard season three is very reminiscent of her walking in with Wesley and encounter at Farpoint. Um, you know, there are just so many things that it sets up that the writers of the later episodes and later series really knew how to like touch on to make them more special on a rewatch. <laughs> and all um, it takes yeah. is 150 hours. <laughs> and three off is worth it. I was telling one of my classmates yesterday, he, he asked randomly, where uh, where should I get started in Star Trek? And I was like, oh, that's a loaded question. What are your intentions? Like, I had a bunch of follow. And then I was just like, you know, start with the next generation. That's how I got started as a young kid. Uh, and you reminded me of it because there really is that payoff uh, at the right. end of next gen 
from start to finish, it's it's beautiful. So the instruction that I give is, and I know actually production and the people who were in it do not like this episode that I'm about to mention. I think it's mm-hmm. the best episode of The Next Generation because it has every single thing that you want from a Star Trek episode, comedy, adventure, um, the technobabble and exploration of the ship. Everyone has something to do that adds to the overall conclusion and what needs to be done. No one is wasted. Interesting character pairings, tons of really cool secondary characters, and that is disaster. Yes. I'm surprised anybody talks ill of that episode. They say it's a poorly written episode. They say Roe, they're very unhappy with how Roe acted, that that was out of character for her. I don't think so. It was? No, not at all. I, I can think absolutely so. see her being indignant towards everybody. It wasn't ju- like she wasn't just indignant toward Riker. It, she was towards the captain in her very first episode. Yeah, and this was her. Ver- her this was her second episode. This yeah. was her second appearance, so she could be yeah. extra salty. Anyway, I tell people watch that. If you yes. like that, you like Star Trek. Yeah. That, oh, that's a that's a great one. I. And then dive in. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll tell people to start with season three of Next Gen. I I don't force them through one and two it, 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 i mean you're going to get into it with the, with the podcast but there, there are so many there's so many good things out of this dud of a season that like ended up getting dropped um for various it's, it's interesting that we're like uh, for, for listeners depending on when you hear this this is day two of the writer's strike uh that just started in 2023 uh mm-hmm. It's my understanding that there was a writer's strike around the time of the either the end of the season or somewhere in season two. Where... It was the end of the second season. It's the reason Shades of Grey is the finale. It's a oh, recap right. show. The clip, the clip show, yeah. Um, yeah. And there there was going to be more of a payoff. My understanding is there's supposed to be more of a payoff with like the, the introduction of the Borg, the Romulans, like that that whole story was going to be intertwined and then writer's strike. So uh execs pay your writers what they're worth and you'll get the better content yes because now they're all working remotely in mini rooms for tiny salaries and small amount of episodes and no revenue based on the fact that things are streaming and no more royalties because everything's streaming right it's terrible there's a i forget his name i wish i had it with me there's a writer for picard season three and he has been posting a lot. He's literally been posting the term sheets of like what mm-hmm. the union asked for, what, you know, the the response has been. And it's been really, it's a really great insight into what the actual asks are. And basically that they're just saying, no, like there's no counter. It's like, nope. Yeah, I was part of our union negotiation uh, for uh, a contract renewal last year. And I can firmly state in any industry no counter offered is a slap in the face and should be deemed unacceptable. Yeah. And it ended up working out for us being indignant about that. Uh, there, there were two that they tried with us. One we dropped because we got something else. And the other one we stood fast and we're like, no, no counter offered is a slap in the face. We're talking about this. And we got what we wanted. Yeah. Well, this was like a three page sheet and like all but two of them were no counter. It was yeah. crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. Anyway. So, 
moving on, um, you know, we understand we've got the Q story, we've got the Farpoint story. Of it all, we're going to do a little segment here of who has the con and who's sent to the brig. And this can be anything from the episode that you like and you want to keep versus something that you want to jettison out in airlock. So let's start with your first, who has the con? Who has the con? Tasha Yar has the con. Uh, okay. I like she wasn't given much, but what she was given, Denise just ate up. Uh, we got more about her backstory than practically anyone else in this episode. Like when she stands up to Q and says, "If if you knew uh, what I had to go through, what Star how Starfleet saved me, you would be on your knees thanking them." Like we got we got a passionate Tasha that like. Again, I wish that they they gave her more throughout the rest of the series um, before she decided to leave because they weren't giving her anything. Um, I love uh, Tasha. I just need her throughout the first season to say like three less rape gang. I don't want to hear the word rape gang anymore. I think one one mention of there were rape gangs, but I feel like in every episode she has something to say. It's like, and then the rape gangs came. It's like, please stop saying that. Um, um, okay, so I'm going to have the con, uh, I'm going to say Q has the con, um, not necessarily for how he's characterized in this episode. John Delancey does a great job. He's not quite yet our, uh, fun, mischievous Q. He's more of a dangerous Q at this point, but he is, he is so, you know, embedded into this series as a whole uh bookends the series uh let's not talk about season two of Picard but he is so he is so part of the next generation that without him I don't know what this show would have been it would have been very very different yeah uh, I had him in my in mine as well I thought they like you said they, they he needed to be fleshed out but they set up a really interesting antagonist like where, where do you go with this godlike creature and godlike creatures are very Star Trek, particularly. This was this is a new iteration, but coming from the original series where we had several episodes that were like, here's this the latest godlike thing. Um, and, and in this particular case, aside from like there's only one in the original series that I think like the powers lame. weren't really yeah, well, the powers weren't really explained away of like, oh, it's just this planet or it's just this thing. Hugh is all over the place and like the 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 field is ripe for stories from that yeah um who else has the con if anyone um th this is a twofer because it's kind of in the brig but it's also in the con the the brig side of things is there wasn't a lot of star trek world building that i wanted to see in the pilot but what there what what we did get a lot of world building was, was post-world war three uh earth uh, like the whole trial is based on what apparently earth court systems are going to be like in 50 years and gotta be honest with the state of the world right now like yeah. i can see it yeah i don't want to but i can see it um so i thought getting getting a lot in this pilot about like how far we had to come or how far we have to go to get to this paradise kind of earth exploring the stars was really cool right uh, for me, my last having the con is are the uh, uh, 
uh, it's, it's funny. I have it written here the way they describe it in Picard season three. So it's not um, the, the, the alien lovers, the, the alien squid tentacle lovers. I love them. They have such a great payoff in Picard because of the homage. Um, they were cool looking. They're very iconic. I think if anybody sees that, they know it's a Star Trek thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and with that, the overall mystery is a great Star Trek episode. Now, in my zhuzh, I'm going to talk about how I think that there are elements of that story that could really have been fleshed out and heightened to something even more of a you know a statement on labor. I think, mm-hmm. um, but the idea that an animal a creature has you know come to a planet to you know rest recharge whatever and they see what it can do and exploit it to advance their society and get you know goods and services from the universe uh uh is a great star trek plot and whether it's worth you know torturing this thing to evolve your society um yeah. Anything else for you before we move to the brig? Uh, my last one is just the separation sequence. It's still cool as hell. Like even though by today's standards, the 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 graphics are very meh. It, it's it's sort of like how in Star Trek Two, those graphics were revolutionary at the time, and now like I still think it looks cool, but it's cheesy. Right. That the separation sequence is just really cool, and I, I wish they did it more in the show. I always thought the star drive section looked like a chicken with its head cut off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I never thought it looked very like cool. The separation itself is cool, and it's very cool, yes. especially in generations. But like the star drive section, like coming in to do battle, looks weird. Yeah, I always like. I of course that's where the the warp engines are, but like, a I think they're doing it wrong. Like the the saucer section should be the one that stays behind because it can't move as fast. Like, I always thought that was a little silly. Like, if you want to get the families away, maybe at warp speed. Uh, but, of course, the torpedo bays are in the Star Drive section. And so, like, right. whatever. Uh, more feedback for the Starship's designer, I guess. Well, we we learned in um, in Best of Both Worlds Part 2 that it can fire fireworks. Yes, and they were very lovely. That was a fun ride. <laughs> All right, so to the brig, um, I'm going to skip over because I already mentioned Troy's outfit. I'm going to say going to the brig is Wesley telling Riker his mom's a cold bitch. Yes, <laughs> I, I put I put that entire scene as my brig. Weird. Now, if you're wondering about mother, like it was very weird. Uh, That's where she should have smacked him. Yes, like uh, I, I'm not for hitting our children, but that one was deserved for sure. Spank him. I don't care how old he is in this. Uh, oh, sorry, cause... sorry, Riker. She's such a cold bitch because her husband's dead. He was my dad. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? By the way, my dad, who's dead, and your new <laughs> captain knew each other, but we're gonna we're gonna just dance around it a little bit. Right. It's gonna be weird for everybody. All right. What else is going to the break? I have so many things. So do I. My list is very long. <laughs> um, my the one big one is like this is very Trek, but time is just weird in Trek. Like 
they will say something is an hour away and then there's like 18 hours worth of shit happening before we get to it. Or in this one, there was, a, there was a scene jump that was apparently 11 hours and then Riker and Troy see each other for the first time in however many years. It's like, what? Like, he had just come on board. Why were they not introduced earlier? Like, what was she doing for the last 11 hours? What was he doing? Like, there were just, just weird time jumps in general in this episode and so many more. Yeah, that was actually my biggest, one of my biggest problems. And to be fair, I love... Picard season three, but um, um, one of my biggest problems was everything was very close to each other. Yes. Like they took a shuttle to the Fleet Museum and then Daystrom Station's over here. And then, you know, like everything was just very, they were hopping all around yeah. and everything the was like an hour away. system, that's yeah. like, like it's literally state, it's, it, it is in deep space nine's territory. Right. And yet it's very close to the Sol system now. Like it, it the speed of plot, the, the, yeah. everything yeah. works at the speed of plot. And it's fine because I loved it. So I'm going to give, I'm going to send to the brig every conversation Picard had with Riker. Yes. Um, the weird thing about keep kids away from me, like it was practically a, hi, neighbor. I have to tell you, I live in this neighborhood. Like it was weird. It was weird. Um, uh, the catch up with Riker and the like, um, let's, you know, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to like his like weird interview of him just seemed like he was a real, like Picard was a real dick in this episode to yes. Riker. Yes. Um, the, and the Riker catch up. Um, yeah. Like, like, Hey, go watch the episode over here. We'll watch over right. your shoulder in case anybody <laughs> forgot uh yeah yeah just the like the entire picard riker interaction was just weird mm -hmm. like what there were so many scenes i mean we're gonna get into it i'm sure but there were there were so many scene opportunities of like them discussing it and like you'll get picard's perspective on this experience he just had while updating his new first officer and like they had a little bit of crisis before they had this weird interaction about children and like the 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 I'm weird around children thing could have been a really interesting humanizing this this captain and uh, introducing this new ship that has children on it. I think that's where we learn. Well, that's what they, they put a button on it that there are lots of kids on the ship, mm -hmm. and it it definitely a missed opportunity like why is he being such a dick to his first officer who he had to agree to like yeah why just why weird all right i'm giving you the last brig what else what's the last thing you'd like to put in the brig oh uh i didn't know there was a limit uh well i'm just looking at the time you know if we, we oh, could do right, an entire right. episode on the brig <laughs> um uh, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put uh dr mccoy in the brig that was my last one. That was my yeah. last one. I I have a lot here, but um, uh, yeah, that seemed like I get what they wanted, connection to the past, etc. And that, like, why was that? So many things about that. First of all, he's 137 and got way more southern than he ever was. Yeah. In, in anything we had ever seen him in since before, he was very southern and just like calling data boy a lot in that in that very 
very like stereotype of the South way, which is uh, it just, it just gross. It was very dehumanizing. It like, and for a, I, I will say it, it for a, I think bigoted character, um, it was even too much for him. Uh, and him with data felt a little, it's like they clearly wanted to hit him to have this, oh, you remind me of Spock moment. But like, if he's there inspecting this new sick bay, why aren't we giving him time with Dr. Crusher? Like if we're right. connecting the generations, why are the two doctors not having this interaction? So oh, but that would have been so much worse because you know he would have said something about we didn't have doctors as pretty as you back then. It would have been something like that. Oh, and you know the writers of the time would have written Beverly saying, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I am pretty. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I think you'd have Wesley being there, being like, You shouldn't hit on my mother. She's a real cold bitch since her husband died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh goodness, so so many things, but yeah. Um. Okay, it's our it's our it. We've come to the judge, so set phasers for judge. Uh, our guests always get to go first, so you have roughly. I'm going to keep an eye on the timer because we could dive into this forever. You've got five minutes to pitch myself and our audiences on your rewrite. Of encounter at far points. Uh, go ahead, Stanley. All right. So um, there are a couple of things in the world building that I think need to be done. We need to take out words like circuit, like the the they talk about the detector circuit and this whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. So we're uh, printout. They talk about printouts a lot. Like the like they don't seem to know what. The sh they talk about the ship's complexity, but then they say like, "Oh, print out!" Like, like there's some dot printer in the background telling with the every with the little um, with the little like uh, guides on yeah. the side that you have to rip off. <laughs> yeah, you have to rip those off before you could read them, and uh, just 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 more world building. Think it through a little bit more. Like, what what is the 24th century printer look like? We have all these displays. It's like. I don't want this on intercom. We don't know if he's listening in. So send to all displays the following. Like it, it, it's the same thing, but just worded a little bit differently. It's super nitpicky, but um, it felt very 1950s submarine, not 24th century starship. Right. Um, there would also like, I, I don't want to take away from the random actors, but at the same time, there's so many people we're trying to meet, like having lines with people that we will never see again in the pilot just doesn't make sense to me. So I would rework uh, like Torres who was just there to be frozen. And then we never hear from him again. So either like freeze someone else that we're going to see again, or- Well, we do, we freeze Tasha. Well, but I mean, early on, like, uh, like, I, I don't know. It, it just felt like, who, who am I supposed to care about here? Uh, right, right, and we, right. and we were told that Torres is fine, but then he doesn't come back. Uh, yeah. So th there's, there's the, those kinds of moments that I think are, are a little weird. Uh, the captain's logs are so oddly placed and they, ha it happens a lot in this first season, uh, or at least in a few more episodes where like, Q is being Q, we go to commercial, and then immediately back from commercial, it's a captain's log about this weird creature, 
And then we go back to, they're in exactly the same place. Like, so I, as a viewer, am left to think that the captain was like, hang on just a minute. I got to go to my office and write down some notes. So the captain- Or he's very passive. He's very passive aggressively doing it in front of him. Like, we got this boop. So I'm dealing with this Don't asshole that. here on my bridge. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yes, leave it, leave it and show us that and be like, hey, can you hang on one second? I'm gonna just sit in my chair and talk about you a little bit. Um yeah, I would I would rework the Picard Riker stuff, like the the he'll do a manual docking. And then he didn't do a manual dock, he did not take the con, he just told O'Brien what to do. Um, <laughs> you know yeah, what we needed? McCoy. We needed we needed manual steering column. That's what we needed. Yes, we needed a Riker maneuver for sure. <laughs> no, I'm talking uh, about from yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. That was what they called it in Insurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, the Riker maneuver. Um, I would cut the McCoy scene like we talked about. Um, I fixed the timing stuff. Like, why has 11 hours passed? Like, either 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 make the crisis the amount of time that we see on screen or like don't, don't do weird time jumps. They, they throw me for a loop and I don't like it. Um, I, I actually don't, I was going to say I would change a few things about Riker and Deanna in this episode, but I actually don't think I would, I would, I would keep this moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that in future episodes uh, with Picard and Crusher. He should know that she has a son. Like he is the captain of the flagship. He should know that she is bringing her son onto the ship. But that scene when he first sees them, he's like surprised that they're kind of there. And it made no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. It's surprising that he, so I, I, it's surprising that he doesn't know who his CMO is. And then Wesley even explains that Picard brought dead dad's body home. So he definitely knew Wesley was there. Right. It's like, did you forget two scenes ago? Like what, why it, it was so weird. Like so much, so much of the McCarty Beverly stuff could have been, could have been played differently with, with different writing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I would definitely keep, I have this, uh, when Riker goes to look for data, I, my note here is horny Ensign looking at Riker's ass. When he walks away, did you notice that? Like she, I did. She, she definitely looks down. Like good for her. Um, uh, rich position. The the scene with Picard going to Crusher, welcoming her. Uh-huh. It I would push that to the end. It felt very weird that that came before the resolution of the crisis. It's like, okay, I'm gonna leave the bridge for a minute and go talk to the doctor because I was just weird with her kid that I apparently didn't know about, even though I presented his dad's body to him yeah um, which is why which is why she's a cold bitch now to everybody yes like and, and yeah oh god that that scene needs reworked <laughs> it's so wild it's when i saw that i was like oh my god hit that child yes and it, even beverly's first line it was like uh or or in there it was like doctor we have this thing that we need to work on and she was like actually i'm going shopping like you just knew the writers were like women be shopping am i right like come on like you're coming you're you're your first officer is telling you that something's amiss and we know beverly we know now beverly is a badass scientist like right. so weird actually i want to go shopping mm. come on um 
and you, you and you my last point is um you mentioned this earlier as well so i'm curious if we're in agreement here but the zorn and the their whole like why like why were they how how did this come to be and why are they doing it like you mean the greatest villain in star trek history history Grappler zorn <laughs> Grappler zorn oh god it uh he was he was a little cheesy but like there was like like so many aspects of the first season it's like i see i see something there and it just needs to like uh i like what you said earlier like a I, I, I like the idea of this creature had crashed and like they have thermal energy and it needed yes. that. And they they were like, oh, this is our opportunity to get out of this this backwardsness that we have or whatever. Like, I just, I can see why, because I know how humanity works, I can see how they got there, but I didn't see how, like, uh, uh, to put it another way, like I can fill in my head canon what's going on uh, right. But literally, the purpose of this entire segment is like, here's something I wish I had seen on screen. Right. Um, and oh, and one last thing, we did we did get Tasha in a scant at the very end. We did. Uh, yeah, for like a hot second. And I think that's the only time we see her in a scant. So I'm making that figure. Uh, I do. A, oh, so I should plug that. I do custom figures. Etsy.com/slash/shop/slash/necessary/outlet, which is my production company. Uh, I make a uh, 4.5 inch Playmate scale additional figures by hit bashing and sculpting and painting. And I, I literally just made a frozen Tasha and I will be making a Tasha scant that is on the list. And they are very good. I've seen your work on Twitter. Oh, I, I love them. And, and we my, can see some in the background. My Picards. I just finished Picard. I've got Beverly. Yeah. Finishing those. I've got Sydney half painted. And they're, um, they're going to see into the woods. They are. <laughs> it's a family trip. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. So let me do a quick disclaimer. What you're not going to be getting in my zhuzh is you're not going to be getting the actual rewrite I did for Farpoint as a scripted miniseries that I did as an exercise of, hmm, can I screenwrite? when I started actually making movies and web series, which I do now. But uh, before I started doing that, I was like, let me let me just try it with something I know like the back of my hand and I don't have to do any research for. And so I rewrote, so I wrote like a, if Encounter at Far Point was happening in the Kelvin universe, and this was like an alternate reality, like, you know, a, a complete reboot of Next Generation. That's really so I'm not cool. going to give you that because I am casting voice actors and I'm going to release it as an audio drama on the Patreon in the fall. Very cool. Okay. So this is, this is, because in that I remove Q entirely because I think Q is completely specific to the, to what we've, what we have to prime universe. And mm -hmm. so I'm doing a different, you know, anything different. You, thing. No Q, no Q in this one at all. It's interesting you say that you remind me of one thing that I, I meant oh, to say is, um, uh, real quick, Hugh says you've gone too far, completely ignoring the ship that's even further out. And that is my judge. So here uh, we're on the same we, page. Yes. Here we go. So this is the setup that I want. I'm not. I obviously cut McCoy. I want to cut the space grid. Uh, I want to actually, I know you like it, but I want to cut the saucer set because it doesn't make any sense. It's just, let's just show off the saucer set. Um, yeah. Let's try to outrun this wall. Like what? <laughs> um, 
so I'm cutting all that kind of stuff and the stilted dialogue and, and the, the Riker conversations and the Riker recap, all of that. But what I'm doing is I'm reframing the general points of the episode, keeping Q, keeping Farpoint. But the idea is that Farpoint is, because it's named Farpoint, the furthest output put uh, the furthest outpost known to the Federation in the direction that the Enterprise D is going to explore and go beyond. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is nearby, but on its shakedown cruise, it has not fully complemented the crew yet. It only has, you know, Tasha Troy, and no one has been picked yet. It's literally just a shakedown of the ship. It's going to go back for more, you know, more upgrades and adjustments, and that's when the rest of the crew will be chosen. Meanwhile, Riker and Geordi have just joined the USS Hood. It's their new assignment. Beverly is the CMO. So that that leaves them as not knowing each other. So they're not. And the Hood was sent to go make some sort of arrangement with Farpoint to be a refueling and, you know, station that ships that are going out in that direction can regularly use. It's sort of like a treaty contract negotiation for the Federation. Uh, on the shakedown cruise, the Enterprise D is alerted that the hood has gone missing and that it is uh, that, you know, Enterprise D will get a distress call from it. They'll go and they'll find it uh, destroyed and that the distress call mentions a being of great power. Mm-hmm. So we we know as an audience that Riker, Jordy and Beverly are on Farpoint Station to evaluate it and to like get the get the grand tour and you know be completely schmoozed by Groppler Zorn mm-hmm. and all of that. And I want a story there about the haves and the have-nots. Yes. That there's this incredible station that has all the luxury goods you could possibly want, but all the people that work in it, it's like like a casino town. Mm-hmm. All the people yeah. that work in it have to live in this crummy village that's off to the side and they don't get to enjoy any of the benefits of it because that's for off-worlders, which is going to, you know, advance our society and sort of the corruption that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And Riker is far, Riker and the team are far more interested in the Bandy city. Maybe they meet a local, a woman for Riker to flirt with um, that, you know, she doesn't want them there. She, this, God forbid this, you know, station, you know, I hate that it's coming to ruined everything, you know, now, you know, now we're gonna have people come to our planet, blah, 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 blah. And you get the sense from her that there was something amiss about the station because Riker said, well, how, how did you build this? And how did you, and she's just not answering because she knows she'll get in a ton of trouble. And then you can also give Wesley a side story that he's like dealing with like a, like he's befriending this kid who's basically child labor at the station. And so you have them a little something to do. Okay, so back on the ship, Q appears to Enterprise and is going to do the same thing, which is toy with them and then destroy them because humanity shouldn't be out this far. They're not ready yet. And Picard gives the challenge of like, okay, well, don't destroy us like you did the hood. Let us show you. And then Q's like, okay, well, you go ahead to Farpoint because there's actually something interesting there. So Mm. if you impress me by doing what you need to do over there, then fine. And if not, I'm blowing you all up. So they go, they do the mystery, they find it, um, and it ends with, because of the destruction of the hood, Picard offers Riker, Jordi, and Beverly if they would like to fill out the roster of the Enterprise D, and he and Beverly can have a conversation about 
do we think this is a good idea because of our history yeah. and get a little flesh out there and then troy can still come to be picard and like i'm not telling you not to but you need to know that Riker left me at the altar <laughs> you know like uh so you can still have all of those things but i i want my jeux is sort of a a reframing of the whys uh, of why people are doing things, why it's happening, and to give a little more moral, you know, it's already bad that they've, you know, trapped this, I'm going to say like, it's an alien that is hibernating on the planet. It's hibernation mm -hmm. season, and it's landed there to to hibernate, and they found out what it can do, and trapped it, and, you know. And the woman on the planet I'm introducing, like, is an animal rights activist personality, and she wants this thing free, and she thinks it's horrible, but if she talks about it, you know, something's going to happen to her or her kid, so. And, and Edith Keeler, sort of, sort of. Right, right. Activist. That's my judge. I would watch that. I would watch that. That all makes a lot a lot of sense. It gives it gives more of a reason. Like every time I watch it, I'm like, why does why is he ignoring the ship that's even further away? <laughs> right. Like, come on. Well, because this one's captained by the one that's going to create a uh, time paradox that destroys the entire human race. Yeah, the, his his secret lover. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that. It, it gives a, it gives a lot of um, really interesting room to play, particularly for like like I said earlier that the, the they gave us some some stuff with Picard and Crusher and with Deanna and Riker, and then sort of drop it. This this gives us the opportunity to really explore what's going on here. Like, oh shit, my my ex boyfriend is now joining the crew. Um, right. He just lost all of his friends, and so he's mourning. And what do we know from season three of Picard, like the the grief of it all between these two characters. Oh god, it would it would add a lot. I also always uh, wonder. Just yesterday, I was thinking like. Grappler Zorn, and like this is something with a lot of villains, except I would say th there are a few villains in Trek that like aren't just caricatures. Like I, I love what Amanda Plummer did with Vatic, for example. But Grappler Zorn was very two-dimensional and like just stupid. Like if you're gonna give me a villain, don't make them a complete buffoon because the these characters who have been assigned to the flagship of the Federation. This, this is one of my one of my criticisms of Discovery season four is like these people are brilliant and yet the dumbest shit keeps happening around them. Like what's happening? Like Grobler Zorn's office not being in the station was a huge misstep on his part. Like, yes, everybody coming to my office over here in this like clearly downtrodden, we could not possibly build this thing that we're offering to you. And like, let's just have a conversation about it, but don't ask me questions. No sense. Right. It should, I mean, especially since he's impressing these people, he should have had like the most opulent office that gives you yes. everything you need. And that's where the, the discovery should have been with Beverly of like, oh, what's the, is it, isn't it, isn't the discovery like an apple? Yeah, he uh, he's like, oh, there was an ad. oh yes, there was a second selection here. No, there wasn't. It's so it's so weird that it's like, like they're having a conversation. He's like, you know what? I could really use an apple. Oh, you know any apples? Huh. Well, <laughs> like, why would they have an Earth fruit? <laughs> like, yeah, and when 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 Beverly be shopping, she's like, oh. she was she was right though. It did look better with gold. <laughs> it did. It did. And hers, I, like I thought, 
I thought it was very well, like, act like you got you got that Beverly thing of like the curiosity of like what's going on here. I thought I saw that that mm-hmm. is sort of part of the Beverly character that we see throughout the, especially in Cause and Effect, which is her big mystery episode. But uh, yeah. watching it, I was like, oh, this Beverly has been consistent since day one. Yes. Yes. A credit to Gates McFadden. I love her. And also uh, Marina Sirtis, like the way that she played things in this episode, again, I wish, I don't think the problem was like, I, I could see, I've, I've heard some people say, oh, she was, she was a little, um, uh, extra that's not the right word but like it was over the top a little yeah a little over the top i i see it but i think part of the problem was almost all of her lines did you do you remember they were duplicates it's like yeah i i feel great joy and gratitude great joy and gratitude like yes we know like if they didn't duplicate her lines like yeah. I, I think it, it would not have come off that weird I, I, you know, as someone who who works on very rinky dink, but still sets and production stuff, I, I always when it comes to the actors, you always have to remember, it's not just the actor, it's what the director wants and what they're telling them to do, what the editor chose is the shots that they and takes they want to use. A lot of actors do a million different things and then leave it to the editors, like, how happy do you want me? How sad do you want me? How this and that? So you know, I I don't put it all on whenever I see an acting choice that I don't like, and I'm like, why are they doing this? That's not always the actor's fault, just because right, they're the right. one saying it. Um, but yeah, I think they wanted Troy to be like when she senses emotion to be like for them to be like flowing through her and overwhelming her, and like yeah. she's just in it. And I mm-hmm. I think they did a better job of her just becoming sort of like having an extra insight. As opposed yes. to like, I'm crying because they're crying. You yeah, know, like. <laughs> Be, being more judicious with when it overwhelmed her. Like, if something's right. happening to the entire ship, sure. But like, one person is a little upset, and now like, tone it down, lady. Tone it down. And it's because of DC Fontana telling Gene to knock it the fuck off that Troy does not have three breasts, which is what he wanted. Like, how would you even do that? Well, yeah, it'd be a costume. <laughs> I I liked that she was in uniform in this pilot. Like, I, I think mm-hmm. the, the cheerleader look of her hair was, like, not just changing her hair was not probably the, the very next episode being in that weird denim thing. It's like, come on, let's do the scants. And let's see Captain Picard in the scant. Well, he was in the dress uniform, which was a dress. Yes. Yes. But without the leggings, I want to see those legs. <laughs> I'm sure he has nice legs. No. Uh, so did you, did our judges bring you great joy and gratitude? Or are they crimes against humanity that would get us um, uh, death sentences in Q's court? Let us know in the comments uh, of our socials at obslounge.st. You can also leave a five-star review. That helps us get seen by more people. You can drop a comment wherever you stream podcasts. Of course, make sure you're subscribed to join Stanley and I next week for The Naked Now. And if you would like to see more content, exclusive content, and early content, there are very inexpensive tiers on the Patreon at patreon.com slash theobservationlounge. Stanley, where can people connect with you on the interwebs 
On all of the webs, I am at OnlyStands85. Great. All of the social places. All of the things. You can find him on uh, uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, OnlyFans, uh, Grinder, wherever you want him. Uh, only most of those places. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, I'll talk to you later, Stanley, and uh, get the hell off my bridge. Bye.